0: everybody, Matthew here from miniwargaming.com, and welcome to another episode of the Wargaming Game Master. Now, just before we get started, if you are listening to this or watching this, I apologize if there's a bit of artifacting with the sound. We kind of whipped this episode together really fast. I wanted to get Miles here, which we're we'll, all introducing in a second. His name is Miles, but I'll introduce him more in a second, to uh, participate via Skype. But uh, Miles, you're all the way from, I want to say Netherlands, and I'm going to get it wrong. Netherlands, right? Yes. Yep. I got it right. And so there's some, there's some artifacting with that. Now, if there's not any artifacting, well, then Colin is an audio engineer wizard, and he managed to get rid of it. But I'm still going to preface it because one of the things I wanted for the show was, like, really good audio. But when you Skype people in, sometimes, you know, you don't always have control over that. So we're just going to do the best we can. So hopefully it doesn't bother you too much throughout this episode. So I got Miles Drake here. And he's gonna be Hello. joining me for today's episode because it's very suited suiting based on the question that we'll be answering uh, miles um, give us the 15 second version of who you are.
1: Well I'm a uh, writer based in uh, Amsterdam for the most part. I'm actually American but uh, yeah I write for the Black Library I've done uh, two published short stories right now got three more in the works, that should be published at some point. I don't know how the publication <laughs> process works. <laughs> and <laughs> when of course- It'll I'm, be published
0: uh, what is published.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, of course I uh, do some of the uh, narrative campaigns for uh, many Wargaming. That's right. So I can't remember how long ago you
0: started. How long ago start, did you start writing narrative campaigns for us?
1: The original Watchers in Death, I jumped in about halfway through. And that was how long ago? Ooh. July, maybe
0: is that it? It feels like it's been longer. I, I believe last—I believe you. It just feels like it's been longer. The the the, the last July, yeah, I mean, over a year, over a year. Oh, you For mean sure. like July of yeah. two thousand eighteen? Yeah, yeah, so that sounds right. Because I'm like July is only like two months, three months ago. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> it's definitely been longer than that. That's right. Yeah. And uh, you've written—that's right. Because uh, at one point. I'm trying to remember what sparked the conversation to actually get a writer. I think I was overwhelmed. We had so Mm -hmm. much to get done and the writing aspect of the narrative campaigns that we do was very time consuming. And so I thought wouldn't be nice to be able to hire a writer and we put a call out. And you sent me an email saying, how would you like a black library writer or author
1: (laughs) writing your stuff? I'm like, hey, you got my attention. And I, I did preface that by saying, you know, I, I'm not Dan Abnett or anything. i just, just, just no, that's a small true. writer. That's true. That's
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> but still, it's fun. But. It's fun. And that's, that's worked out really well. So, yeah, so Miles has been writing for us for over a year, doing various narrative campaigns. Not every narrative campaign since then, but most of the narrative campaign stories that you hear were written by him. Um, still produced by many work, I mean, meaning that we work together to come up with the story. And then yeah. uh, Miles does all the the legwork of getting that done. Even writing some of the scenarios, um, even if we modify them afterwards, a lot of the scenarios started off as Miles's idea, and then mm-hmm. maybe we modify them after that to fit them into what we're trying to accomplish. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll come back to Miles in just a in just a couple of minutes. Quick announcements: Over the past week, there's been a couple new things that have come out. A new Age of Sigmar narrative campaign called the Dragon Tooth Labyrinth. Uh, Miles did not write this one. It was like one of the first in a while that I didn't have him write. And the reason for that is because I wanted to do something that was a little more simple in terms of the story. And honestly, I had the idea for it like on a Thursday and we started filming it the Monday. So (laughs) there wasn't much time for much writing and it wasn't meant to be a super story heavy one. Although there is a lot of story to it, it's more the story of what happens in the battle reports. Whereas our typical narrative campaigns there's a lot of story and then the battle reports affect the story. Whereas in this one, the battle reports were ninety percent of the story. So it's the tale of the bloody crusade led by Vladislav the Impaler of Corn, Mortal Corn, as he uh, played by Luca, which is why the names are the way they are. As they delve deep into a storm vault, a grand storm vault left by Sigmar at the edge of Realm of Gur, Realm of Beasts, and I had so much fun filming it. We just we filmed the whole thing in two weeks. And that's going to come out for the next five weeks. So it started last Saturday. So go check that out. Also, my new... uh, I know I talked about this Battle Report series, but it actually started coming out. Nothing but narrative. The first couple episodes have gone up. The next couple episodes will be going up soon. There are no Dice Battle Reports. And you'll see those are like 10 minutes long each. You'll have to give me your feedback. So go check those out and give me your feedback. Finally, I had mentioned that as I do reviews of the various scenarios of the different books, I would actually make a living document on Mini Wargaming to show you those reviews, and I've done that. So if you go to miniwargaming.com, you click on Tools and Rules, you'll see the Wargaming Game Master Reviews. That's a menu item. You click on that, and you'll see the ones that I've reviewed so far. And I give them a rating of number of Dancing Matthews, the maximum being five Dancing Matthews. And so far, none of them have gotten five Dancing Matthews, because if I have to make changes, it's not five Dancing Matthews. Not to say that they're not good scenarios. But I don't just put the number of Dancing Matthews they get it also like, talks about how I liked it and what I would change for each of them as well. So there's a few in there, and I plan on updating that document as I play more scenarios. And sometimes I'll review them. I'll just put them in the document. I won't even talk about them on the show because I won't have time. And other times I'll talk on the show, and then I'll put it in the document. So just, you know, take a look whenever you want, and it gives you ideas of which ones I like. That's all the announcements. So uh, Miles is here to help me today because... The, uh, the, I read an email last week by Cliff Trett, and we didn't have time to talk about it on our last episode because we ended up talking too much about the other stuff that we wanted to. So we're going to make an entire episode around your email, Cliff. That's how much we appreciate it. And if you would like to submit questions or topic ideas, you can do so just by leaving a comment here if you're watching this on YouTube or on Facebook. If you're watching like on a podcast where there's no place to leave a comment, feel free to email me, Matthew at That's Matthew with two T's the way it's meant to be spelled, And um, and I, I probably won't reply to your email, but I promise I will read every single one of them. Because I get too many emails to be able to reply to all of them and to reply every comment, but I do read every single comment and every single email that comes in. I can promise that, unless it goes to my spam folder. Nothing I can do about that, really. Well, not much I can do about that. So here is the email, I will read it again. And if you hear yelling in the background, that's because there's battle reports going on, because that is what we do here. (laughs) To to start, I love mini-wargaming for years, and I am a Lifetime Vault member, which is awesome. Thank you, Cliff. I love your narrative campaigns, as they are the main reason I purchased the Lifetime Vault membership. So I have questions, either to you directly or for your show for discussion. Myself and two, maybe three friends want to do a closed narrative campaign. We'll start off with 500-point skirmish, end up doing 2,500 to 3,000-point battles against each other. How do you plan the start of a story? Like, how do you come up with a setting? How do they meet? What are the goals? Are they set in stone? Then once each battle is completed, how do you, as the games master, mold the narrative story in a good way that the next battles aren't 100% one-sided, that would wipe out the opposition. Um, He said, finally, as an example, the Angel and the Serpent narrative was a great idea, but it didn't feel very narrative, whereas all the Death Watch felt like a brilliant narrative game. How can you make something like Angel and Serpent feel more narrative? Now, that one I'm not as familiar with. So did you you help write that one, (laughs) Miles?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I basically wrote one up. But
0: so the... Now, there was a one lot hour. of and narr- Just to just be clear, it's not that there wasn't a lot of narrative agents to serve, but there was a ton because there was the story yeah. beforehand. So I'm not I'm, I'm not exactly sure what he's referring to. Is it feeling less narrative? Maybe, maybe,
1: were the because battles not well, as effective? Um, it, it's, it's more so, basically, I wrote all four of those prior to any of them being filmed. So there was no like right. film two and then I will adjust the narrative later on to accommodate for those, or film one and okay. adjust the that way. So that's it was a very uh,
0: fair. That's a very fair point that it wouldn't feel like the battle reports were affecting the story as much.
1: No. So I kind of had to work with um, like how to make it sort of carry on, Um, you know, each individual battle, how how it might have a semi-meaningful impact. But of course, as the uh, question put forth, uh, you don't want to have a impact from the first battle be too meaningful that it completely skews everything uh, out of whack. Exactly.
0: Well, that's you know, it's an interesting thing. That's a different way to do it. It's not right or wrong. It's just a different way to do it. When you look at the books that like Games Workshop publishes, for example, with campaigns, <laughs> obviously those are all pre-written. The history's already happened, and they give you the scenarios to yeah. replay. There's fun in that. I'm not as big a fan of doing that. I feel it's more like the that's more like historical wargaming. I, I feel like well, that's yeah. already happened. Why would I reenact that? With certain yeah. exceptions, um, but there is still that is still a type of narrative campaign where you're playing through something that's already happened or maybe your battles are just like, we're going to play the story. And I know our battles necess- won't necessarily affect the story, but we can still determine a winner based off of what happens in the battles. So it just depends on how deep you want to go. So we got a bunch of questions in here, all related all right. to story. So let's start and let's talk about how to plan the start of a story. So I'll, I'll I'll turn it over to you Miles for a minute or two. Why don't you start what what are your thoughts? If somebody's starting their own homebrew narrative campaign at home with a few of their friends, yep. how can they decide on what the story is going to be and the setting? All that kind of stuff?
1: Basically, um so if you're doing a homebrew thing, and I think you, you touched up on this in the first episode of this uh, series, is setting-wise work with what you have. If you have a game table that is a jungle forest Table And that's all you've got. Don't set it on a city planet because you don't have the terrain for it. You know, unless you're a big studio, you happen to have a lot of terrain lying around. It's you're kind of already deciding the setting based on that. However, that's just one part of the setting. That's just kind of the, you know, the aesthetics of the the planet you're on. What what the actual planet is or, you know, if it's Age of Sigmar, for example, that that can be uh, entirely irrelevant to the actual aesthetics. Um I th- I'd say the, the next point that you'd want to address is who is involved. Um, by who, I mean what factions. And that's already going to color the campaign quite a bit. You know, if, if this is a, uh, an astromilitarum versus Gene stealer cults, Campaign. if these are the two factions you want to have involved, then you're already kind of looking at, okay, so there's probably going to be some sort of rebellion going on, some sort of, you know, gene stealer cult insurrection. You know, gene stealers doing gene stealery things. And um, whereas if you're working with, uh, I guess if you're working with two factions that might not have as much of a um, direct cause to go to war with each other, then you kind of have to figure out an idea, like what... What is the motivation here? Why why would the uh, Tyranids be fighting the Necrons, for example? And in those circumstances, you uh, kind of might want to put your heads together with the people that uh, you're going to be doing the narrative campaign with, and sort of decide on like what what uh, what type of story do we want? Do we want some sort of like large scale? war do we want a something that starts off smaller you know maybe a uh, couple of scouting parties run into each other and you have this gradual escalation going on are they fighting over something you know is there is there an artifact involved i guess with the tyranids example that's probably not going to be relevant so
0: <laughs> maybe <laughs> usually you, you never know right you can, you can, you you know, you know. can <laughs> usually find a way to include almost anything in any narrative campaign if you really want to
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that, that's, that can of course, uh, be another point. Like if you really want to include something, there's, there's ways to do it. Like you you can include almost any objective with any faction, um, providing you can think up a good enough reason for it. Um, but with some factions, it's just kind of like some factions against each other. It's just, it's easier, you know, if, uh, like the, Anything involving the gene stealer cults, you know, you, it's probably going to be an uprising of some kind. Yeah, those kind. stories almost write themselves. Like they, yeah, they exactly.
0: infiltrate, they sneak in, they yeah. rebel, they try to disrupt, and then the tyrannids arrive, maybe. Or maybe. Escalates. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. Good God, anybody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No,
0: those are, those are really good points there because um, I, I like to do that too. I like to kind of, we do have a lot of terrain here. And we do have a lot of models to pick from. And yet I still like to kind of walk around and look at it and see what inspires me. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, we see, in the office, the way that we start a new narrative campaign is I'll, I'll sometimes get an idea from a book or from a campaign supplement. And I'll be like, oh, yep. that sounds like a fun story that I would want to play. So rarely do we just come up with stories like, like just from nowhere. It's It's more like – I remember yeah. the Storms of Ixia campaign. I had just read the Gaunt's Ghost book. And I'm like, oh, I actually <laughs> do want to do an Astro Militarum campaign. Who knew? I thought they were boring. And then I read that book and I'm like, this is so cool. And that gave me the motivation some ideas for an Astro Militarum campaign. And – yeah, and reading the the lore of the gene setter cults, of course, makes you really want to do that too. But you gotta. Yeah. Then the next step that I do once I have an idea is I walk out into the office where everybody else is, and I start to talk about this idea, and I see who gets the most excited, and that's usually the person I'll pick to do the campaign with. And then I try to give them as many options as I can because I want them to invest. I have found that the campaigns where I force things on them, I'm like, "Here's your team, play with them." They don't get nearly mm-hmm. as involved as build your team or pick the army you want to do like with luca for example for the dragon tooth labyrinth what i did is i walked up and i said okay i'm gonna do it with you because out of everybody that just seemed to be the most available and the most excited and um not that the other ones weren't excited for it but just the most excited (laughs) and i said so what i want you to do is i want you to choose two factions like for example stormcast eternals and sylvaneth or dispossessed a carriage on overlords or i'm like but don't do that one because we're going underground a lot so the carriage on overlords won't make much sense but still something like that and then what we're going to do is you're going to build a four thousand point ish band and then i'm going to give you two missions at a time and you're going to choose who's going on each mission so you have to split your forces essentially so it forces you to use different things and then he's like i want to do corn I'm like, okay, and? He's like, just corn. <laughs> That's what I want to do. And I'm like, well, all right, I guess it's corn. Not exactly good, guys, but he uh, just kind of embraced that. And because it was Luca, and because the new Auric book had just come out, I wanted to bring back Hamathroa, who was from a previous campaign that beat the crap out of Luca. who was just a side character <laughs> that ended up being a lot of fun. So that it's very organic, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And if you're with your friends... Yeah, you got to follow Miles' advice there. Look at the terrain that you have. Look at the armies that you have. That's your start. And maybe it's, it's okay sometimes to be like, hey, I just read this book and I really want to do Astro Militarum. Nobody has it, but I'm so excited I'm going to build an Astro Militarum army. Uh, the second narrative campaign we ever did, second, I want to say? Yeah, I think it was a second. Steve built a 4,000-point Eldar army for it within like a month or two, and that was <laughs> awesome. And so that can happen, and we've built terrain specifically for narrative campaigns, but um, that's not that's unusual. That's not the norm. The norm is that we take stuff that we already have and we build campaigns out of that. So starting there is 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 definitely it. I'd say the biggest thing is just as you, if you're kind of invest yourself into the lore, and as you
1: read more of the lore, that can pop up ideas as well. Yeah, indeed. If you end up inspired by something that you read, and that's where you want to go, then why not? Right? I mean, yeah, exactly. You're gonna have the most fun doing what inspires you the most, not what maybe is the most convenient.
0: And if I can just one piece of advice too, if you as the games master want to do this, you present it to your friends, and if they're not super excited about it, come up with a different idea, because campaigns take a lot of energy to do and to to finish. And if they're only kind of interested at first, I can tell you that a few games in, they're gonna there's not the energy is going to be gone. And it's just going to be work. And you guys have no reason to make it work. Like we have a reason to make it work because it's our jobs. Therefore, it is work. But um, for you guys, like if if something becomes stale, you stop doing it, right? And you don't want to get to that situation. So try to find something that immediately everybody's like, oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. If they're not saying, oh, yeah, that sounds awesome, they're probably not enthusiastic enough. And you should try to find a different idea. So, yep. of course, here we have a bit of a different experience because what usually happens for us is that I get on a Skype call with Miles and um, I tell him my ideas and I give him a ton of creative license, but within a certain context of an idea that I have. And so how, yeah. do, you, how do you... So let, let's talk about that. Let's say that you are already given some sort of context to work within, maybe something that all the players are excited for. So how do you, Miles, then take that... And within the confines of what you know, we want you to do, develop a story from that. And you can give examples from any narrative campaign that you've done with us, or whatever you want to do.
1: Yeah. So, basically, uh, going to try and uh, avoid any major spoilers here, but uh, um, the the Shattered Imperium campaign. Just you know, going with the latest one that uh, came to mind. Matthew uh, came up to me and was like, "Yeah, I want to move the." Uh, the story of the Imperium along. And I was like, okay, that sounds pretty awesome. Like, that's always something I've been toying with. And, you know, he gave me a couple of uh, ideas of, like, what do you want to have happen? Or more like what, what he wanted to have happen. And then, basically, I was just able to work out the different factions that were going to be involved which these were of course going to be remnants of factions that already exist that have you know split into many pieces all that type of stuff building the framework for this kind of larger scale setting and of course when you're doing when you're working with a uh, you know a narrative campaign it doesn't have to be nearly on that scale and ultimately the shattered imperium campaign isn't on that scale that's just building the backdrop. In fact, the scale is basically following around Inquisitor Rin on his uh, nefarious adventures. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> basically, the uh, idea I had is in that case, how do I best showcase this uh, new universe that we've created? How do I introduce all of these factions? And of course, as it's gone, you don't want to. Uh, dump everybody in head first. You kind of want to give this trickle-down information, um, feed them little bit by little bit. No exposition overloads. That's uh, Nobody really likes that. So, yeah, it's just this uh, kind of slow process of uh, working with the information you have and then kind of molding it in a way that the players will receive it in a, um, I guess, a gradual manner and uh from there you know it's, it's about building the scenarios to kind of work around that and working with the characters that you have um,
0: a little question just to jump in there because mm-hmm. uh, one of the things he asks in here is like how do you determine the goals and then how do you mold it as the games go on so yeah. that the goals are met but you don't want one side to be at such an advantage over the other side that because he's because he's speaking it looks like the kind of campaign that you're talking about cliff yeah. is one where there isn't really a gm um where it's more like there's a few of you that want to play and you're trying to come up with a rule set in the setting because when it's a gm yeah. you don't have to worry about one side getting in the upper hand you're the gm you just make things up as you go along and so you let them get as powerful as you want because you can always match that power on the other side because you can just make things up you can, you can be like, oh, yeah. more forces show up for this one. Or this particular faction shows up for this one. So it sounds like he's trying yeah. to do something more closed without a GM. Yes. So, so how, how do you how do you create a story and then mold that story so people feel like it's progressing and yet mm-hmm. it's still playable?
1: Basically... Um... So what I would do there, if you're running a more versus-style narrative campaign, if you have multiple people going up against each other, maybe there is a GM that is sort of guiding it along and making sure that nothing gets too out of hand on one side or another, you can have each scenario um, have some form of – doesn't it, it doesn't have to be a long-term consequence. It can be an immediate consequence that only is going to affect the next scenario. Um, say one side wins. Say there's some sort of uh, situation where you know an Astromilitarum force is attempting to hold a pass from a uh, encroaching you know chaos warband, for example. Um, if they lose, obviously this is going to affect the next scenario. They'll be pushed back from this pass, and the chaos forces will get some sort of advantage in the next scenario. Um, however, it doesn't have to be like, and now all of a sudden the chaos forces get this advantage, which is going to remain. So for the rest of the campaign, you don't have to do this whole, I'm going to upgrade units based on who wins because then, yeah, you're going to run into this snowballing effect. Um, but if you, I mean, you can still do that to some degree, but then it's almost better to have units upgrade on both sides. You know, the ones that do well on both sides rather than just, you know, the winning side gets to, uh, can just upgrade, but that's another uh topic basically uh, <laughs> this would be more yeah work with short-term benefits short-term benefits that can't snowball because they're only going to affect the next scenario or maybe only two scenarios down or maybe you even have a, a benefit that one side can get that won't immediately affect things but might affect things further down the line um so yeah this you just have to kind of uh, I guess be creative about it.
0: I think the other thing too is, especially if there's a GM involved, make sure that the battle reports do have a significant impact on the story. And Mm -hmm. if there's a certain thing that you want to have happen in the story, make sure that that happens not in the battle report. Like I've always said, if you don't want a character to die, he (laughs) he doesn't show up in the battle report. Now, we kind of took some chances with Inquisitor Rin showing up in a few battle reports in the Shattered Imperium because I didn't want him to die because I don't want to just give somebody plot armor and never have, him, um, never have him die. Now, mind you, having said that, the Dragon Tooth Labyrinth, our latest Age of Sigmar campaign, you, you're, nobody could die except there was one scenario where that was um, that was actually the consequence of losing is that you had to roll for everybody who was destroyed and certain ones could die. And so – so you can kind of do both, but the one thing that you don't want to do is have the story roll on without the battle reports having any effect. So what? Yeah. Sorry, the battles, not battle reports. The battles. So the few ways that you can do that is like what Miles suggested. Um, I would I would say that rewards are fine as long as they're not major. Um, uh-huh. Something as simple as nobody starts with a warlord trait if you're playing Warhammer 40k, and once a general has won or a warlord has won two games, he gains a warlord trait.
1: Sort of, yeah. that kind of
0: thing or you can bring an extra relic or uh, an extra command point or two like little things like that that um, it's <laughs> not I would highly recommend staying away from points like you get 200 more points than the other person because yeah. not that the game is balanced when you have points balanced but um, it just it becomes a little more obvious that it's not balanced but the biggest thing you can do and also the most work and this is where the like, Miles has to do the most work is after every battle, you look at what happened and you really try to write that into the story. And so what our yep. uh, our typical narrative campaign, not all of them, will film it and then I'll email Miles and give him a quick synopsis of what happened. Like who won? Did any significant deaths happen? And did anything super cool happen? And he'll take that and he'll continue the story and write that into the story. And that way it yep. really feels like what's going on matters. Even if there's an overarching story that's going to happen anyways, kind of telling it from the point of view of those things that are happening. And you really got to watch out for those things, too. I find that most of the time, the most interesting things that happen in the battles are not the things that were supposed to happen. (laughs) Uh, Like a a certain unit will perform ridiculously well. So name that unit. Maybe throw an upgrade at them. Um, uh, Age of Sigmar was easy you have your path to glory table so you just like roll on the path to glory table because that one did really well and now they have a six up ignoring wounds great it's not game breaking but it's a cool little thing and we're going to call them this that happens in the Dragon Tooth Labyrinth a couple times and and that becomes memorable I've I've had some of my most memorable characters like Commissar Khruchev become memorable because of happenstance he wasn't a planned character he was just a commissar that kept surviving against ridiculous odds and so mm-hmm. we gave him a name and steve kept changing the model everything because he kept dying but surviving and so he's like okay we're gonna remove his leg and replace it with a bionic leg and now we'll cut off part of his face or repaint his face so it's like part bionic um, he just and he he stood up to everything and then he had an epic ending in the narrative campaign it was awesome and then the next narrative campaign i brought him as a named character and he died right away or, or just basically didn't do anything right away and so you just, you just can't plan for that kind of stuff. So be willing to let whatever happens happen and don't try to force cool things. You can force a story. Like if those Tyranids are going to arrive, no matter what they do, they're going to arrive. But how prepared are they for them when they arrive can make a big difference right there too. Yeah, indeed. I would say let's talk a bit about writing scenarios that paint you into a corner. I think, I think when he's talking about that too, I think it's important that we discuss that um, because uh-huh. part of molding the story is molding the scenarios. So I'm going to let you talk about that for a couple minutes, Miles. First yeah. off, talk about the problem that we have sometimes faced. I know more so before you came on board because I had done it to myself several times. <laughs> I've learned from that by the time that you started working for us, but still yeah, talk you, about talk, talk about, about how maybe there's been some times where the battle has almost derailed your thoughts. And yeah. what you've learned from that, what you would have done differently, or how you turned that into a good thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, so uh, I guess the, uh, the the main thing to, to keep in mind is don't design a scenario where there's no way out for one faction if they lose, unless it's the end of the campaign. Like, if it's the end of the campaign, sure. If one faction gets completely wiped out, so be it. That's how it ends. Yeah. Um, so always think of like what's their what's their avenue of attack? How did they get here? And how can they get out if things go wrong? And especially with these uh, kind of more character focused narrative campaigns, that's uh, something that. We really need to think of every time because it it always comes down to, you know, these characters can die, but that doesn't necessarily mean they die. That just means they might get injured. But how do they get out if it's a total loss? Like what what is going on there? And most of the time, um, it's usually I guess the 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 solutions are not Super hard to come up with. Most of the time, it's uh, like uh, examples with the Yggvir and Tor campaign. There was, I, I think, one of the missions uh, in the catacombs. Did they lose that? It was the first catacomb mission. They got attacked by the night haunts. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, like he needed, he needed an object to advance the story.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. And they so they didn't get the object, uh, which was a bit of a problem, but. You know what? It's fine. We'll work with it. (laughs) Had to change things in the story later (laughs) to make sure that they got the information that they were going to have. But uh, during that loss, they kind of needed a way out. Like, if they were just in the catacombs fighting these night haunts and they were taken down by the night haunts, well, there's no real logical way as to why they would live. I mean, night haunts aren't typically there to be taking prisoners. So what needed to happen? Well, the orcs that they were fighting before had chased them or were raiding that uh, particular catacomb for whatever reason. Um, doesn't really matter, but they show up uh, as Yogg and Tor go down and kind of provide them the chaos to escape. And that's something that um, I guess you won't see it a lot because you don't have too many losses in the campaigns. I mean, they do happen, and maybe you'll see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think my I, experience is like you have to watch out for. Missions, yeah, you have to ask yourself basically what happens if they lose as well. It's it's like you have to give them an out, of course, make sure they're not backed into a corner, but you always have to have a there's actually three and sometimes more than three potential outcomes of every battle there's a win, there's a loss, and there's a draw. Mm -hmm. I I did a campaign called the World Engine and (laughs) I made the mistake of having the first mission be Planetfall, so basically (laughs) it's the space marines coming in and they lost. I'm like, oh. Now, what? So let's do another planet fall. And that was needless to say, that campaign didn't go on as long as I wanted it to. And then, so the Storms of Ixia, which was the next campaign, I had the planet fall happen in the narrative. And then they split off into three forces, and we only tracked the progress of the one force so that if they lost horribly, we still had the other two forces to move the story along. But there would still be consequences. I didn't want them to think that it doesn't really matter what happens because I got these other two forces. It's like, oh, no, no, you didn't get the factory, therefore this. So there's still consequences, but you didn't ruin the story. And even in that one, I still remember because I would actually, the way I wrote those campaigns was mission A, and then if if, uh, player one wins, we're going to play this mission. If player two wins, we're going to play this mission. Yeah. And then I remember we actually played a mission where neither player won, that they <laughs> annihilated each other down to one model. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, it doesn't make sense to do either of my ideas. And so I had to come up with another idea. So you have to kind of think that. You have to be like, anybody yeah. should be able to win. Even if there's a games master, he should be able to win. Not that you're trying to win, but that you don't want them to think, well, he's the games master. He'll always make sure I win. He'll never yeah. give me a challenge that I can't beat. It's like, oh, that's not true. I want you to sometimes lose to feel that. But oh, you have to ask your question. You have to, you have to ask yourself the question: What will happen if they win? That's usually the easy thing. What will happen if they lose? And what will happen if it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. I kind of won, but I lost most of what was important in that victory. Like, uh, yeah, a pyrrhic yeah. victory basically. So always have those th- at least three outcomes in mind, and I think that you're pretty well taken care of if you think, well, if they lose, they're done. They'd be like, well, then don't do that yeah. mission. <laughs> that's a bad mission. Just stay away from yeah. it.
1: Yeah. I mean, unless that's, unless you're okay with that, then.
0: Yeah. 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 If you want, if that's your type of, if that's, if that's your cup of tea where you're like, you know what, this is supposed to be a grind and let's see if you can get to the end. And if you don't, well, mm-hmm. we could try again. So, yeah. That's an advantage. It does make it a bit yeah that's it, the advantage of not recording it right like we make ours as video content for entertainment so that can be a little less entertaining to be like we got through two episodes and we're done um we'll start over oh no we got through three episodes now we'll start over now oh, we got through two episodes again i can get a little repetitive
1: yeah but that could be fun maybe not the most exciting thing to watch over and over again <laughs> unless it's done differently every time i guess and i don't know i'm sure there's some ways to get around that but uh not the ideal approach to uh, campaign writing, I would say, but uh, exactly yeah,
0: so okay, so talking about uh, let's let's talk more about stories. I think we've covered a lot of what he's asked, so I have a few questions I would like to ask while well, we have miles here that we can right. we can use to kind of expand on this. Um, so first off, okay, so you've been writing for our narrative campaigns for a little while now. What would you say is yep. the most challenging aspect? of writing narrative campaigns for mini wargaming or just in general?
1: Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I would say it is fitting in the story pieces and, um, keeping the word count at a reasonable level. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I, I'm fairly wordy with my writing. Like I'll, I'll, admit that I've, I've gotten much better since I, started professionally writing but uh i tend to uh go into a lot of detail with things um some might say too much detail that's perfectly fine um condensing that into a uh i guess a a cohesive introduction or a cohesive you know story time in the middle of a Session, for example, you know, some of some of the missions will have like a mid mission story time that co- crops up or most missions will also have some sort of ending story time trying to fit the information that I need to fit in for the purpose of advancing the story or the characters or whatever that is quite challenging. Especially when it comes to writing the first mission of the pair of missions that we always do. Because it's, it's always like we write these missions in pairs. So I have to make sure that no matter what happens in the first mission, the second mission will still work, right? And I think sometimes uh, there have been instances where you've sort of taken that and been like, okay, we're going to extend the first mission into two missions. Mm-hmm. which uh, Yeah, there's, yeah. there's <laughs> a little
0: bit more. Because sometimes we'll write a scenario and will be like, okay, this ended up taking a lot longer. So let's yeah. split into two instead and just make that more interesting. So
1: yeah, there's always that yeah. flexibility, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, uh, you know, at that point, need to hasten the story a little bit. But that, that's usually not a problem. Like most of the time when we map out these stories, I make sure there's at least like two or three potential filler missions. That at least in the outlining, like, OK, these aren't super important. So in case things happen, I can add stuff in during these missions or change them up along the way. Um, and and of course, these mission outlines are super uh, up in the air. Of course, I don't think I stuck with uh, <laughs> most of the outlines I made for myself. It's uh, as a writer, you know, that's kind of what happens. Yeah, it, it just happens. You know, you make a super detailed outline. And I, I'm working on my own novel, and I didn't follow <laughs> my outline at all. <laughs> it's. it's uh, you know, it, that presents its own problems, of course, but you also can use that to come up with solutions for yourself. Like You obviously aren't going to think of everything when you're coming up with the outlines, so you don't need to plan an entire narrative campaign at the start. You're actually better off not planning an entire narrative campaign. Yeah, you you sure. want a few core story ideas, like these are things that I want to have happen. How do I make them happen? But then you just go mission by mission, or two missions by two missions, However, however you know, you have things arranged and that way you can adjust the story, adjust how they get from point A to point B and make sure that it happens. And, um, yeah, that's... That can be difficult. <laughs> yeah, to, sure. uh, yeah.
0: Well, those are, like I said before, I've been doing a lot of narrative campaigns and there's all these, like, common pitfalls that I found for myself and the woodtar to talked about one of them that's writing yourself into a corner. Um, yeah. But just a, yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's, it's finding a balance between... Just having fun games, adding in the story element to make them even more fun, having things be significant and actually matter, and yeah. and and just having everybody excited to begin with for whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. And so I, th- I think that's – all those elements have to come together. I think it would actually be very challenging for anybody to do a narrative campaign like what we do just because – like I think it works so well for us because people are being paid to do it, so they have to show up. You know, barring, <laughs> barring sickness, it's like, you know, you know you, we got to do it. We've got to finish this. We've got all, they have got thousands, tens of thousands of people waiting to watch this video. And so we need to make sure that we deliver that. And so that whereas with your friends, the moment something gets stale, it's just like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And what's your motivation? Yeah. And I, I, that can be a little harder. So, yeah. yeah. What was your, um, out of all the narrative campaigns that you've written so far, what's your, what was your favorite to write? I,
1: uh, and tour was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was just, you know, cool, great concepts. Um, I, I was honestly kind of worried about the lightheartedness. Like, I, I'm actually more of a horror writer. Oh, you know, yeah. Sci-fi horror <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I, I do the cosmic horror genre is sort of my thing. So when Matthew was like, here, I have this campaign. It's much more, going to be much more lighthearted than the uh, other stuff that we've done. And I'm like, okay. Call it but, <laughs> but uh, it turned out to actually be quite fun and uh yeah it got to sort of you know exercise different muscles so to speak in uh writing that and you know i was still able to uh throw in a bit of uh, doom and gloom and horror throughout it but uh Absolutely. you know and, uh, keep it uh Keep it a little bit uh, lighthearted for the most part, and uh, yeah, I thought it was it was a fun exercise, and I think it turned out pretty well. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I watched every episode as well, and <laughs> was just cool to see how it all uh, how it all panned out, and you know, some of the some of the missions just not going the way you think they would, like the one with the uh, it was like the tenth mission or something out in front of the gates where they had to. Um, kill oh, the, the uh Lord. yeah the road idol and they just did a beeline straight for it and destroyed it super yeah, that's, fast ignoring. that's right it's like oh
0: they're done look at that
1: <laughs> it's like okay that was actually pretty cool
0: <laughs> or the in floor moment i yeah, so jumped, jumped off the city walls and i'm like okay you can jump but you got to roll this and this and this oh you failed and just splat onto the ground Yagviran, Yagviran yep. floor. So, no, I enjoyed that one a yeah. lot too. What, what is it? How does, it, how does it feel to write and then see it actually come to
1: life in the actual video it, form? It's pretty awesome. Like, uh, I love to see that. Uh, it's just cool to see the, uh, you know, your, your work kind of put. It, it, I guess it would be similar, like if you write a script to a movie or something. Obviously, it's not quite as uh, grandiose as that, but of course. it's, uh, <laughs> 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 it's, it's still, you know. It's it's really awesome to see it come to life, uh, and uh, yeah, I guess that's basically what I get the most enjoyment out of, um, as far as writing these scenarios goes, is to see how they end up actually panning out. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. So they have so, stories received by the audience yeah. as well,
0: which can also be yeah. tough, you know, because sometimes they're more yeah, enthusiastic
1: than other times. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, definitely true, but you know you learn from the times that they're not. Like, okay, what what didn't they like, and how do we uh, not do that in the future? <laughs> exactly, right. exactly. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think we've answered this question, Cliff. We've gone through starting a story, setting up the goals, how to mold the narrative, talking about how to make everything matter. The I think the the major ideas for where you can get your stories from how to get everybody excited so uh, Miles if people want to find you where should they look for you
1: um, yeah they can uh, email me no problem Um if they want any more information about uh, narrative campaign writing, writing tips in general, uh, alternately, yeah, or, if you want to hire find you more. or to hire you as a writer. Or to hire me, yeah, I'm, of course, always for hire. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mercenary writer. Mercenary <laughs> writer, that's right. Yeah. Well, make sure to post links
0: to your Facebook and to your email in the description below or wherever you happen to be watching this. Uh, for those that are yep. just listening on the podcast, so do you want to share your email or Facebook?
1: Yeah, that's uh, yeah, just Facebook, uh, Miles Drake, I guess. It's, uh, what is my uh, Facebook tag, actually? Well, I think I, it's... Uh,
0: Facebook.com slash the light that burns the sun as a page. Yeah, that would be me. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, email wise at uh, g-i-b-b-e-v-e-x at gmail.com. But uh, Naturally. you can reach me that way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, alternately, if you want to, uh, read any more of my stuff I'm on the, uh, black library, I have one, uh, E short, the flesh tithe, which is a lovely little horror story about, uh, a Necron flayed one invasion nice. on a, uh, unsuspecting shrine world. And then I have a, uh, another slightly longer short story in the Inferno volume two, which is also dealing with that same conflict, which is actually set in the, uh, ghoul stars featuring the death specters. Who are pretty cool as Space Marines, and that's
0: official canon because it's in the Black Library. Yep, yep. That's how that works, right?
1: I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, I guess they do retcon things every now and then. Oh but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: of course. Official canon <laughs> until they don't want it to be and, official anymore. But that's, that's right. normal. That's, that's normal for any long-standing yeah. universe. Yeah. Things things have to change to fit marketing and whatever they're trying yeah. to accomplish at that time too.
1: Indeed. I will say they have gotten better about that recently, but uh, yeah. Given that Still in always. Years,
0: maybe in 20 years, you'll see some changes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, Miles, thank you very much for joining us today on this episode of the Wargaming Game Master. I know this episode is a little shorter than the ones we did, but I, we answered the questions. And I thought it would take longer to answer those questions, but it turns out that uh, we're not as rambly as we thought we were. Yeah, so, so i wasn't prepared about, for more than that like <laughs> exactly so but we'll 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 definitely have another episode next week where we'll cover more topics all about narrative wargaming so make sure you check that out everywhere where podcasts are available or here on or not here i don't know where you're watching right now on youtube or on facebook wherever you like to follow our content we'll be posting it all over there so miles thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me it was a pleasure all right and happy wargaming happy wargaming